Hey everybody, Nate Clark here. I'm the pastor of Oasis Church here in Richmond, Virginia. We pray that this podcast is helpful and encouraging to you in your life. Here's today's message. And last week we talked about the baptism of the Spirit, and we're gonna. This is gonna be a part two to that. So I'm not. I'm not even moving on in the text yet. I'm gonna still camp out. So Acts chapter one, verse number four. Jesus says this to his disciples: Do not leave Jerusalem. But wait, somebody say wait. Wait for the gift my father promised, which you've heard me speak about. For John baptized with water, but in a few days you'll be baptized with the Holy Spirit. The disciples ask him a question. They go back and forth. Jesus responds. Verse number eight, he says, you will receive power. Somebody say power. You'll receive power when the Holy Spirit comes on you. You will be my witnesses in Jerusalem, Judea, Samaria, to the ends of the earth. Today, I want to talk around this idea, be filled with the Holy Spirit. Be filled with the Holy Spirit. Pray this out loud with me. Say, dear God, today, do what no man can do. Open my eyes, open my heart, that I may receive your word, believe your word, and obey your word. Amen. 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 You know, um, as, a, as a kid, you could look back on your childhood and think about your parents, or if you're parenting now, uh, there's two different um, kinds of instructions parents give their kids. There are suggestions and there are commands. <laughs> you, and you know the difference, right? Suggestions are things, um, particularly when your kids are young and incapable of making all their own decisions, you can make suggestions on like the non-pivotal things that are just suggestions, if they take it or not, it's not life or death, it's just a suggestion. But then, parents, how many know, when there's things that are more serious, and this is not a negotiation, there you give commands to your kids. (laughs) Like, sometimes I'll tell, like, Silas, I'm not asking you, buddy, I'm telling you. (laughs) I'm not, like, you give a command, right? When you give a command, there's something clearly that you want done. And right in the beginning of the book of Acts, we see Jesus give his disciples a command. And the author of this book, Luke, he is so detailed. He's a physician. He's one for the details. We'll see that all throughout this book. Um, He's so detailed to let us know so many of the things that matter a lot, where he, he doesn't say that Jesus suggested his disciples go and wait. He doesn't um, say that he made it an option for their, for their ministry. Like it says, he commanded them, go and wait for the gift my father promised. John baptized with water, but you'll be baptized with the Holy Spirit. Their power will be upon you. You'll be my witnesses. He commanded them, go and wait. How many know if Jesus commanded they do this, it must be important? Jesus commanded they do this, it must be vital because Jesus didn't command at this point anything else. So Jesus didn't give them this one step and then say, hey, go and wait. And then after that, you're going to go plant a church in Philippi, and then you go to Ephesus, and then you'll cast all demons, and then you'll hear Like, no, no, no. Go and wait. How long? It doesn't matter. Go and wait. How long should we wait? It doesn't matter. Go and wait. Because there's a gift, my father promised, that you need. Go do this before you share the gospel with anyone. Go do this before you go heal the sick. 
Go do this before you go plant churches. Go do this before you send out missionaries. Go do this before you do any ministry. How many know what Jesus was saying and what Jesus was wanting them to have must have been pretty important? Go and wait. I'm commanding you. Commanding you. We talked last week, and I shared a John Piper quote regarding this, that what we're talking about here is the baptism in the Holy Spirit. So, so we're not talking about salvation here. We're talking about an, an encounter with the Holy Spirit after salvation for empowerment for ministry. So after you've been saved, after the Holy Spirit dwells inside of you, there's a second experience, the baptism in the Holy Spirit, being filled with the Holy Spirit that is for power for ministry. John chapter 20 is when almost every scholar believes the disciples were saved. They, uh, that's where Doubting Thomas finally believes. He sees Jesus and he believes he is the Christ. And John chapter 20, Jesus breathes upon them and John says they've received the Holy Spirit. John chapter 6, no man comes to the Father unless the Father draws him, right? But it's the Spirit of God, Ephesians chapter 1, John chapter 6, the Spirit of God draws us to God for salvation. So the Spirit of God is inside of us for salvation, but he comes on to us for power. So John chapter 20, they've received the Holy Spirit. Jesus breathes on them. John says they received the Spirit. Right after this, right, John 20 into Acts, Jesus says, go and wait for the Holy Spirit. If Americans would have been in that scenario right there, Americans would have been like, oh, no, Jesus, we, just, we already got the Spirit. We just received the Spirit. You just breathed it on us. We just got it. But notice the disciples don't say that. They received the Holy Spirit, and the disciples say, hey, we're going to go and wait. We see this. We'll see it all, all throughout Acts. Acts chapter 8, there are disciples and believers who have already believed. Apostles show up. You need the Holy Spirit. Pray, receive the Spirit. Acts chapter 19, there are already believers who have uh, believed in the gospel that haven't received the Spirit yet. Paul prays for them to re- receive the Spirit in Acts chapter 19. So what, what Jesus is commanding and what the baptism of the Spirit is about is to live a supernatural life, you need supernatural power. To live a supernatural life, you need a supernatural power. Now, you can be a Christian and not be baptized with the Holy Spirit. You can love God and you can serve God. I'm not saying this is not a heaven or hell issue, okay? This is not you can't love God and you can't serve God. I'm just saying the power in which you will live your Christian life will be limited without the filling of the Spirit of God, without the baptism of the Spirit Luke 24, 49, Jesus says this. He says, I'm gonna send you what my father promised. Stay in the city until you've been clothed with power. Somebody say power. Power from on high. You and I need power to live our faith every day. I don't wanna try to follow Jesus without the power of Jesus. I don't wanna try to live my faith out in all that God has called me to do in my own strength I need power from God. And by the way, this is what our world needs, is Christians with power. What what our world has gotten and what's disconnected the church from the world a lot has been, there have been a lot of Christians without a lot of power. And in a post-pandemic world, our world needs power. A post-pandemic church needs power. A post-pandemic follower of Christ needs to be a spirit-filled, power-filled Christian. 
Because look, the bottom line is all of us, if you're, if you're called to follow Christ, if you're a professing believer, you're, you're, you're called to be his witness. You're called to the Great Commission. You're called to love and serve your life. Give it out for the kingdom of God. And Jesus in the scriptures make no exception for people in obedience to him if they're Christians. Like, he doesn't, like, hand out Enneagram test to the 12. Be like, all right, uh, the eights and the threes are going to be my witnesses because they're out, you know. And then the fives and the fours are going to, no, no, no. He's like, you're all going to be my witnesses. I'm, I'm introverted. I'm scared. I get, you're going to be my witness. <laughs> like, like, I don't, like, so regardless of who you are or your strengths or your personalities, you're called to kingdom ministry. And if you're going to do kingdom ministry, we ought to do it with power. We ought to get power from God to do what God has called us to do the word power that's used here in verse number eight is the Greek word deutimus. Uh, it's where we get the word dynamic. It's where we get the word dynamite. It's, it's, in, it's a picture of something that is explosive, strong, powerful, moving. And really the question we asked last week, and, and I want to ask it again, is do you, do you even really want this for your life? Like, do you, do you really want power for your life? Do you want supernatural Holy Spirit power in your life? Because if, if you don't want it, like, that's fine. I just, you, you should reflect inward and ask why you don't want it. Because there's something that's probably gone off in your heart to say that you wouldn't want all that God would have for you. So, so if, if you want it, I want you to know that it's available today for everyone who would call in the name of the Lord. I've got a few observations I want to go through today, and I've got a lot of info, so it's going to be a lot of teaching today, so I'm going to move fast, so just buckle up and go with me today. Is that good? First thing, the baptism of the Holy Spirit is for power to do kingdom ministry. The ba- if the baptism of the Spirit is not about power, it's not about anything. It's about power to do kingdom ministry. The baptism of the Spirit is not about an emotional experience. The baptism of the Spirit is not about goosebumps in church. The baptism of the Holy Spirit is not uh, you move from the JV to the varsity spiritual team. The baptism of the Spirit is not even just about tongues. The baptism of the Spirit is for power to do kingdom ministry. It's for power. If it's not about power, it's not about anything. It's about deutimous, dynamic, explosive power to live a supernatural life that you couldn't live on your own. Here's, here's some ways that this is used in the book of Acts. The first one is this, power to heal. Power to heal. Acts 3, verse 12, uh, disciples have healed this man. He was lame. He was begging for alms outside of the temple. They heal him. He gets up. He's jumping around. He's running around. Everyone's taking note. And uh, here's what they say, Acts 3, 12. Why do you stare at us if by our own power, deutimus, or godliness, we made this man walk. He's saying, hey, look, Peter didn't make this man walk. God made this man walk. Peter's power didn't make this man walk. God's power made this man walk. We didn't do this. The power of God did this. He's like, why are you looking at us as if by our strength we did this? God did this. What is he saying? The power, supernatural, deutimous power of God did this. He healed this man, not us. Number two, the power to testify. 
The next chapter, they come before the authorities and they're testifying about healing this man. The authorities don't like it. It's causing a scene in the town. They're trying to stop him. They're trying to shut it up. And it says this, Peter, filled with the Holy Spirit. So there it is right there. Luke is intentional to say, as he's doing this, he is filled. He is immersed. Filled with the Spirit, he said, and then he goes on to make a defense. He's testifying before the authorities about what they just did. The Spirit of God, the filling of the Spirit of God gives you power to testify against opposition. It gives you power to speak up when you would normally want to stand back. It gives you power to be bold and clear even when it could potentially cost you something. It's power. The third thing, power to evangelize. Power to evangelize. Same chapter, Acts number four. They've told him, hey, we're not gonna punish you, but you gotta stop talking about this. You gotta stop talking about Jesus. So they, they're essentially the... The authorities are trying to shut up the disciples from sharing the gospel, from healing, from doing these things. And so right after they tell them that, it says in verse 33, with great power, there it is again, deutimus, dynamic power, the apostles continued to testify to the resurrection of the Lord Jesus and much grace was upon them all. So, so it gave them power, even in the face of opposition, even when there was threats on their life, even when it wasn't popular, to continue to evangelize and testify Jesus is alive. Like this, this stuff is so practical. Like if you've got people in your life, like friends or neighbors or coworkers, and you're, you're scared to share the gospel with them, you need power. This is really, really practical. It's like, like the baptism of the Spirit is not for you to come in here and feel emotional and, and then go back there and be scared to talk about Jesus. The baptism of the Spirit is to give you power so, so that you can go out there and share Jesus with the person next to you at Starbucks. To share Jesus with the person that cuts your hair that you talk with every single month. Right, like it's it, it it's it's super practical to be able to testify, to be able to evangelize, not just with your own words, not just in your own strength, with the power of God. To be able to do what you couldn't do on your own. The fourth one is this: power for miracles. Power for miracles. Acts chapter six. So maybe if you've heard this so far, you're like, yeah, that's great. That's the apostles. That's the priests. That's the spiritual leaders that were commissioned by Jesus. That, that was for them. That ain't for me. Well, Stephen was not an apostle. Stephen was not a pastor. Stephen was not a priest. Stephen was a deacon in the church. He was a lay leader in the church. And Stephen ended up being a martyr for the gospel. Acts chapter 6, verse 8 says he was a man full of God's grace and power. The deutimus power right there. He did great wonders and miraculous signs among the people. So Stephen, a lay leader in the church, is performing signs and wonders around in his life with the people around his life. Why? Because he's filled with the power of God. The next one, power to transform. Power to transform. Acts chapter 8. There's a man named Simon. Simon is far from God. Simon did not believe in the Lord Jesus. And Verse 13 tells us that he did believe and was baptized. And, and here's how we got around to that. He followed Philip everywhere. So Philip was full of the spirit. Philip was sharing the gospel. Philip was operating in power. And it says that Simon was astonished by the great signs and miracles. There it is again, the deutimus power, the, the supernatural power of God that he saw. So Simon saw Philip was walking around, like saw his life, saw the power he was operating in. And because of the power and anointing on Philip, Simon believed and was baptized because of what he saw. 
The power of God has the power to transform people. Like, Philip didn't save that guy. Philip didn't transform that guy. The power of God saved that guy. All right, the next one. You still with me today? The power to discern. Power to discern. Acts chapter 13, this is a whole story. There's a man named Elimus, and he is given... Paul, all kinds of trouble. There's, there's a whole scene there in Acts chapter 13. You can, you can read it this week, but Acts 13 verse 9 says, Paul, or Saul, who was called Paul, then there again, filled with the Spirit. Luke is very intentional every single time when they're operating in supernatural power to let us know, hey, they're filled with the Spirit. They've got the power of God. Filled with the Spirit, looks straight at Elimus and said, and then he goes on to discern what's going on in the spiritual realm there to resolve the situation. So look, this, this is so practical. I think so many people, if they knew about this, would love this in their life. Um, I'm not one of those people that tries to over-spiritualize everything. Anybody know those people? Anybody one of those people? It's like you're, you're taking a walk and you like swallowed a fly and you're like, the devil's getting me today. It's like, now nah, you just walk through a swamp. You know what I mean? It's like, <laughs> it's like you know, but, but I do think, I do think most things in our life are a lot more spiritual than we think they are. Paul says, hey, we don't, we don't war against flesh and blood. This, our, our battle's not in the natural. It's in the supernatural. Like there's a real enemy. Spiritual warfare is a real thing. There's a real enemy who desires to steal, kill, and destroy. There's, there's a real war going on in the spiritual. And what we see Paul doing here in Acts 13 is as he's filled with the Spirit, he's discerning the situation. He's not just looking at what's going on naturally around him. He's discerning the spirit of this guy in the supernatural. And because he's filled with the Spirit, he cuts through what most people are seeing, discerns the situation, and brings resolve to it. Why? Not because he's smart, not because because he went in uh, training and courses and how to do all that stuff, although that's fine. Why? Because he got discernment from the Spirit. Again, this is so practical. Like, there could be decisions before you. There could be tensions in a relationship before you. There could be forks in the road where you've got to make decisions. And here's what the filling of the Spirit can do. It can give you the power to discern things that you wouldn't be able to discern in the natural. Give you power to guide and direct you to, to, to not just see what you can see, but to see what God would have you see. All right, the next one, power for the impossible. Acts chapter 19, God did extraordinary miracles. There it is again, the deutimus power of God through Paul. This is so wild. So even handkerchiefs and aprons that he touched were taken to the sick and their illnesses were cured and evil spirits left them. Okay, so Paul... Paul worked with his hands. He was a tent maker. So he's got his sweat rags and his stuff. And Paul, Paul's living and operating in so much supernatural power that people are picking up his rags and taking them elsewhere and putting them on people that are sick and they're being healed. His sweat rags are being put on people that have evil demonic spirits in them and the evil spirits are leaving them because of Paul's sweat rag that touched them. Now, were they healed by Paul's sweat? No. They're healed by the power of God. Were they healed by the fabrics of the handkerchief? No, no. They were healed by the power of God. But Paul was so filled with the power of God that there was things that were impossible becoming possible in his life because he was filled with the Spirit. All right, the second thing is this. Bible uses 
different terms for the baptism in the Holy Spirit. The Bible uses different terms for baptism in the Spirit. I wanna teach you here for just a moment. You know, there's a lot of um, critiques of this will use this point to invalidate it. Even the gospel accounts, people um, that try to poke holes in the gospel accounts will put them up against each other and say, well, Luke's is different from Matthew's, it's different from John's, it's different. And, and that's, just, that's just a terrible argument altogether. Just because things are worded and phrased differently doesn't mean they're different things, right? If, if I watched a football game with Daryl and Daryl watched the same football game and then we both gave commentary on the football game, afterwards we would say different things, right? Maybe Daryl's favorite player was not my favorite player. Maybe he sat at a different part of the stadium than I sat. Maybe he was paying attention to a different aspect of the game than I was. And so his commentary on the game, though sounding different than me, doesn't mean we watched a different game. It doesn't mean he was wrong or I was wrong. It means we use different words and phrases to say the same thing that we both saw that was true. So it is with a lot of this. The Bible uses different phrases for the baptism of the Spirit. The first one is this, baptized with the Spirit. Acts 1.5, we've read this many times now. John baptized with water, but in a few days, you'll be baptized with the Holy Spirit. There's two words in the Greek for baptized, and they both mean to baptize, and they both mean to immerse. The two words are this, bapto and baptizo. Bapto and baptizo. They both mean to baptize, they both mean to immerse. Bapto, um, to give you a, a picture of what this would be like, it's, it's to immerse fully, but temporarily. So the state fair's coming up. Come on, somebody just thank God for that. The state fair's coming up at the end of next month, and uh, you, know, you walk around that place, and they got all kinds of foods and treats and all kinds of things that are not good for you. <laughs> and, uh, but we do it anyway, because God's grace is sufficient. And so... <laughs> And so you go around and they got whatever they got, the hot dogs, the apples, the candy, the whatever, and they dip them in all kinds of stuff, the caramel, the chocolate. the And so if I've got an apple and I'm going to dip it in the caramel and then I'm going to take it out, I just baptoed the apple. It, it got immersed. It was fully in it for a, te- a quick temporary time. And then it came out of it. That was bapto. Okay. Baptizo is also to immerse, but it's a lot more intense for a lot longer. So um, if we were going to take cucumbers and wanted to make them into pickles, God bless you if you love pickles. I can't stand pickles. I think they're disgusting. (laughs) If you're going to take cucumbers and turn them into pickles, you have to put them in vinegar, and then you have to keep them there for a million years. (laughs) Right? And so to make a pickle... You've got to take a cucumber and baptizo the cucumber. It's got to be immersed, not just quickly dipped. It's got to be immersed and camped and stayed for such a duration of time that as a result, the thing itself is literally getting changed into something else. So so when the scriptures use, you'll be baptized with the spirit, it's using baptizo. It's saying, hey, uh, you need to be pickled. (laughs) say, hey, when when, when you're baptized in the Spirit, you are immersed in it for such a duration of time. You're, You're so in it. It is so around you and getting inside you that as it does, over a period of time, you will become different. 
you'll be changed. You, you will not stay immersed and not change. You won't be filled and stay the same. You, you will see differently. You will live differently. You will taste differently. You will think differently. You will be different as a result of being baptizoed, filled with the Spirit. The second phrase that's used is the Holy Spirit comes on you. Verse number eight, Jesus says you'll receive power when the Holy Spirit comes on you. On you, this phrase to come upon, to come onto, um, is is painting a picture in the Greek of your circumstances are changing. There's a, there's something coming upon you that's changing your circumstance. It's used in the gospel accounts in a negative way to talk about when the tribulation comes, when the tribulation comes upon you. Uh, how many, when the tribulation comes, it ain't gonna be good. Your circumstances will change, right? And, and so, but it's it's saying, hey, what's happening around you is going to be different because of what's coming upon you. Said the Holy Spirit will come upon you. Your your circumstance will change. The way you live will change. Your your life will be drastically different as a result of this thing that has happened to you. Number three, pour out my spirit. Pour out my spirit. Acts chapter 2, Peter is referring to the prophet Joel. This prophecy, this is a whole other teaching for another day, but this prophecy was not a messianic salvation prophecy. This was an empowerment prophecy for the church. And so he's referring back to Joel's prophecy, and it was this. In the last days, God says, I will pour out my spirit, just dumping it out, opening heaven, just flooding my people with it. I'm going to pour out my spirit, and then I love this, on all people. This is for all who call upon the name of the Lord. It's not for the, just for the pastors and missionaries. No, no, no. This is for all my people. He even goes on to elaborate on that. He says, your sons and your daughters will prophesy. This is for the men. This is for the women. This is for your sons. This is for your daughters. This is for all my people. It says, your young men will see visions. Your old men will dream dreams. I love this. This is so practical. Are you young or are you old? Well, do you see visions or do you have dreams? Now you know. <laughs> Pour out my spirit. The fourth one is this. Filled with the Holy Spirit. Filled with the Holy Spirit. Acts 2, verse 4, says all of them were filled with the Holy Spirit. This, this phrase, this wording here, is, it, it means to be controlled by. It means to be dominated by. It means to be led by. We talked about it last week. It's the picture of a sailboat and the wind filling up the sail and pushing and driving the boat forward. You'll be filled with the Spirit. You will be controlled and dominated by the Spirit. This phrase is also used by Paul in Ephesians chapter 5. He says it like this, don't get drunk on wine, which leads to debauchery. Instead, be filled with the Spirit. He's comparing being Spirit-filled with being drunk with alcohol. He's saying, hey, when you're drunk with alcohol, your body is controlled by it. It's driving what you do, just like that drives your life when you're under the influence, so the Spirit of God will drive you and shape you and lead you in such a way that you'll be different than you were without it. Be filled with the Holy Spirit. The next one is this, the Holy Spirit fell upon. Holy Spirit fell upon, Acts 10, 44. Peter's in Cornelius' house and preaching the gospel, and it says, Peter was speaking these words, and the Holy Spirit fell on all who heard the message. This is a great example, actually, of people who believed 
and were filled like right around the same time. There's tons of examples in the scripture. Most of them are they believed and then it was a later time where they were filled. That's, that's Acts 8, Acts chapter 19, that's the apostles. But Acts chapter 10 is one of the examples where they believed and they were filled right around the same time. It says the Holy Spirit fell on them. This word to fall upon is also used in Acts when uh, Paul is saying goodbye to his friends in ministry. He's leaving, he's departing, they're going separate ways, and they know it's gonna be the last time that they see each other on that side of eternity, and so they're, it says they're weeping, they, they, they kiss each other and say goodbye, and the term where they're embracing and hugging each other goodbye is that same word, fall upon. So it, to fall upon is like a monster bear hug. It is a loving, passionate embrace. It is, it is to to put you in your grips, that, that, that when the Spirit falls upon you, it's like a divine, heavenly hug from the Father, wrapping you up, embracing you. This is the same word used in Luke 15 for the prodigal son. When the prodigal son comes home and the father looks on, upon the horizon and the father runs out and falls upon his son. It's, it's the same term that the father greets his prodigal son and the Holy Spirit's gonna fall upon his people. The last phrase is this, they received the Holy Spirit. Acts eight seventeen. Peter and John, so this is an example of believers that hadn't yet received. Peter and John go and find out they hadn't received, and uh, it says, they placed their hands on them, and they received the Holy Spirit. This phrase, it's the idea of receiving and taking both mutually happening at the same time. Like if I had a gift I wanted to give you and I had the gift in my hand and I said, hey, I got something and I want you to have it. I want this gift for you. It is mine, but it's gonna become yours. I desire to give you this. I could sit there all day and say, I want you to have this. This is my gift to you. This is gonna be yours. This is what I want for you. But at some point, you've gotta take the gift, right? So I give you the gift, you take the gift. Well, did Nate give it or did you take it? Well, yes. Nate gave it, and you took it, right? It's, it's both happening at the same time. This is the language here that says they received the Holy Spirit. It's God pouring it out, and it's his people by faith receiving the Spirit of God. Again, this, this is so practical. You know, some people, you talk about receiving the Spirit of God or being filled with the Spirit. They're like, yeah, I want that. I want that. I want that. All right, I want to be filled with the Spirit. <laughs> it's like... You can just keep doing that, but like, gotta, by faith, just take it something. You know what I mean? Like, it's like, yes, there's a period of waiting. Yes, there's waiting on the Lord, but, but at some point, God, like, God is a good father who loves to give good gifts to his children. He doesn't withhold from his children. So, like, God gives it, and by faith, we take it and receive the filling of the Spirit. Are you with me today? Number three, we need to continually be baptized in the Holy Spirit. There's a lot of examples of this, but Acts chapter four, verse 31 gives us one. So this is the church. They've already been filled with the Spirit. It says this, after they prayed, the place where they were meeting was shaken. They were all filled with the Holy Spirit and spoke the word of God boldly. So this is an example of they've already been filled 
And now Luke is making really clear, hey, they're seeking God, they're praying, they're being filled again to speak the word boldly. They had just been told they couldn't do it, they're gonna be persecuted, so they got filled fresh and they spoke boldly in spite of the opposition that they were facing. They were filled again. You need to continually be filled because here's what I know about you and here's what I know about me. We all leak. We leak, (laughs) We need a fresh filling. We need to be filled again. We, you, you can't live in 2022 on 2021's anointing. This is like heyday Christians, like rearview mirror Christians. It's all about what God did back in the day and look at God back there and praise God for that. And that can fuel our faith for today. And God was faithful then. But, but the faith, the anointing of God for last decade is not sufficient for this decade. The anointing of God to parent your first kid is not sufficient to parent your second kid. Come on, am I helping you today? The, the, the anointing of God for me to lead our church in year one is different than I need in year three. The anointing for your marriage in the first three years is di- you need a different anointing for the next three. Come on, somebody. You, you need, you need f- a fresh outpouring of the Spirit of God in your life for today. Because we leak, we can run dry. We need to be filled up fresh again and again and again. This is not a spiritual box you check once. and oh, I, I, Yeah, back in 87, I was filled. It was great. That's great. You need to be filled today. You need to be filled right now. You need fresh oil for today, fresh power for today. Ephesians 5.18, we already read it. Don't get drunk on wine, which leads to debauchery, but be filled with the Spirit. Paul parallels Spirit filled with alcohol. Here, you can't be drunk today on April's wine. Like, Like to be influenced with alcohol today, you must have consumed it recently. And to continue to stay influenced, you would have to continue to intake of the substance. To, to stop intaking is to stop being influenced by. This is why Paul's, Paul's saying, I want you to be filled with the Spirit. You've got to continually be filled. Because if, if you're just filled once, you're going to leak. You need a fresh filling for today. You need to be divinely embraced today. You need to be divinely driven today. You need to be divinely filled today for power today. Pastor Doug Clay, he says it like this, the spirit-filled life is a continuous process of receiving and giving, being filled with and sharing with others, receiving power from God and spending it on gospel service. John Piper says it like this, I think every Christian should seek fresh baptism in this sense. He's speaking of the baptism of the Holy Spirit again and again and again for effective ministry. The kind of empowering that we receive in the baptism of the Holy Spirit is an experience we need again and again. So if you haven't been filled with the Spirit today, I'm I'm gonna pray God fills you with the Spirit today. We're gonna have time, we're gonna pray for that. And and I'm gonna pray you're filled this week. If you've been filled with the Spirit, I'm gonna pray God fills you fresh today because you need a fresh anointing for today. We need it again and again and again. And number four, this is the last thing. Drew, you can come. We have to wait on and seek the Lord to receive the baptism of the Holy Spirit. I think this is so important and this is so countercultural, but we just gotta wait. We just gotta seek. 
Jesus told his disciples that, wait. Wait for the gift. How long? Doesn't matter. Wait. When will it happen? What will happen? Doesn't matter. Wait. Wait for the gift my father promised. And we, our, our, our world today and our brains are so programmed to be such instant gratification, such we're, we're so microwave. It's like, if I, can't, if I can't microwave it in one, two, three and get like, if, if it can't happen just like that right now, whatever, we're gonna move past. Like, wait. Like, think about the disciples. Jesus, go and wait, go and wait. Okay, we're gonna go and wait. Just, just think about what they were doing. Like, day one, like, so Peter, how you doing, man? What are we doing? We're waiting, you know. Day two, day three, day four, day five, day six, day... Like by day five, six, seven, most of us be out. I waited, you know. No, there's day eight, day nine, day ten. Like a mighty rushing wind. I can just imagine even someone saying, is it storming outside? No, no, that's not on the outside. That's on the inside. So, a mighty rushing wind, like tongues of fire beginning to fill the room. So they, they were so consumed, the onlookers around thought they were drunk. Peter has to come out and say, no, it's in the morning. No, no, no. Let me explain to you. This is what happens with the prophet Joel prophesied about. The God will pour out his spirit on all men. And young, young men with dream dreams prophesies this for all of us. But, but it happened because they waited. They waited on the Lord. So how long does it take? I don't know. It doesn't matter. Wait on the Lord. For some of you, It'll be Acts chapter 10, and you'll just right away receive. And for some of you, you'll be filled with the Spirit of God in five seconds. And, and it, it'll be an amazing encounter with the Lord. For some of you, you'll wait for five days. For some of you, you'll wait for five weeks. For some of you, you may, I, I don't, you, you may wait for five months. But here's, here's what I know. In the waiting, God is working. In the waiting, God is working. So, so please don't get discouraged in the waiting. Like, oh, has God forgotten me? Is God in? No, no, no. God is working. God is doing something where you can't see. Wait on the Lord. Seek the Lord. And, and, and he will fill you. He will get, it, it'll be a deep immersion in your life that results in something different. It'll be a divine embrace hug from heaven that, that just engulfs you. It will be wind in your sails that drives you. You will be under the influence of something that's changing how you think, how you see how you talk and it'll it'll change your life you'll be filled with the spirit of god filled with the spirit of god there's one example i want to read it for you to kind of fuel your faith for today say man does god really want this for me does this really a gift god has yeah i believe it is the old revivalist and evangelist charles finney is actually a presbyterian he describes in his Writings, his encounter of salvation and baptism of the Holy Spirit. To this point in his ministry, no one took a note about it. It wasn't noteworthy in history. It was nobody knew of his. He was just serving. He was a Presbyterian minister serving the Lord, and so he didn't know about the baptism of the Spirit. He didn't believe in the baptism of the Spirit. He didn't teach the baptism of the Spirit. And he describes one day he was coming back to his office to study, and here's what Charles Finney wrote. He says, "I turned and was about to take my seat." and I received a mighty baptism of the Holy Ghost without any expectation of it. Look, for some of y'all, for some of y'all, you don't even provide the room for God to speak and God wants it for you so bad, you're not even gonna expect, you're just gonna do it. Like, it's like Paul on the road to Damascus. He's like, you ain't even seeking me, but I want this for you, and I'm so sovereign, I'm just gonna hit you with it because I'm God and I'm good. Uh, That's the exception, not the norm, by the way. 
That's why we're going to seek. But for some of you, you're just maybe so spiritually stubborn, God's like, I don't care. I'm going to do it anyway for you. So that, that was Charles Finney. Look, without any expectation of it, without ever having thought of it in my mind that there was any such thing for me, without any recalling that I had ever heard of the thing or understood it as mentioned by any other person in the world, the Holy Spirit descended upon me in a manner that seemed to go through me, body and soul. I could feel the impression like a wave of electricity going through and through me. Indeed, it seemed to come on me like waves and waves of liquid love. For I could not express it any other way. It seemed like the very breath of God. Just look at this guy going throughout his ministry, doing his thing, going back to his office and receiving a mighty baptism in the spirit. And what's incredible is after this point in his ministry is what you know about and would read about Charles Finney in the revival and the power of God and the miracles that were seen in his ministry were after he received the baptism of the Holy Spirit. And I just look at that and I say, of course it is, because he's got dudamous, mighty power from God to do what he's not capable of doing. That's what I want for me. That's what I want for you. That's what I want for our church. So we're going to provide some space to just seek God today. We've got some worship here at the end where we're just going to seek and go after God and say, Lord, fill us fresh with your spirit. Lord, baptize us with your spirit. Lord, like you filled Charles Finney 150 years ago, fill me today in 2022 right here in this building. Lord, Lord, like you filled this person five years ago, fill me today. We're just going to have faith there, God, to fill us fresh with the spirit today. Amen. Just stand to your feet all over the room. invite Miss Vicky's going to come up and Daryl is going to come up and I'm, I'm going to come down here as well. We're going to open up uh, the front today, the altar to just, you say, man, I just want more of God. I want the spirit of God. I'm going to, I'm going to take a physical step. I'm going to step out from where I'm standing. I'm just going to go kneel and ask God to fill me. It was at the front of a service like this on a black padded chair, pretty similar. They had up at the front. I was a teenager in youth group. I'd just been called to ministry and we were talking about the baptism of the Spirit, and I've been seeking it for a little bit. And I remember after service, there was just time where they just said, hey, we're just going to seek. We're just going to pray. We're going to ask God to fill people with the Spirit. And I was by myself down here, kneeling on a black padded chair, and most other people had kind of checked out. The music was even kind of starting to slow down. And right there in that gymnasium floor, God began to fill me with his Holy Spirit, baptizing the Spirit. And, and for some of you, God wants to baptize you in the Spirit today. For some of you, it'll be this week. Maybe it'll be in your car on the way to work. Maybe it'll be at home as you seek him and pray. But here's what I know. We need to wait. We need to wait to provide room for the Spirit of God to do what he wants to do. Amen. Father, we make room for you today. Lord, we wait in your presence. We wait upon you. Lord, fill us with faith today that you're a God who wants to give good gifts to his children. Lord, I pray today that you would fill your church with your Holy Spirit. God, would you move in a mighty way as we seek you for these next few moments, Lord? We're expectant of what you're going to do in Jesus' name. Amen. Thanks so much for tuning in to this week's podcast. Hey, if this content was helpful and encouraging to you, you could help us out by leaving a review or sharing it with the people in your life. I know it would bless them. Thanks again for tuning in, and we'll see you next week.